There is no health without mental health. Hi, welcome to Beyond Madness. I am your host, Professor Christopher Paul Sabo. I'm a psychiatrist, and this podcast series features psychiatrists in conversation with myself, discussing mental health issues, issues that affect our society on a daily basis. Emotional issues can affect you or someone in your life at some point, and the intention of this podcast series is to give you a better understanding of psychiatry. Beyond Madness is proudly brought to you by Adcock Ingram OTC, sponsors of Brave. On today's podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing a respected and well-known psychiatrist, Dr. Sean Bowman, to discuss his new book, Madness, Stories of Uncertainty and Hope, which chronicles patient histories that go beyond conventional portrayals of mental illness. Einke Kroch, no less, a leading South African literary figure, has said, this book has irrevocably changed my understanding of madness. High praise, indeed. Certainly, I've read the book and found the content accessible, informative, and importantly, a sensitive account of madness, and covering a wide range of topical issues within the discipline of psychiatry. And I need to mention, I found the, the prologue very evocative from the title, The Hospital on the Other Side of the River, to the content, which for me had shades of J.M. Kutzia's Waiting for the Barbarians and Life and Times of Michael Kay. Sean, with that lengthy introduction, welcome. It's lovely, it's lovely to have you join me in conversation on the podcast. And let me leap in with a big question. What does madness mean to you? And why the choice of the word madness for the book title? Chris, thank you for um, thank you for inviting me. I'm I'm very aware that it's provocative and possibly problematic, but I do using the word madness very very sort of deliberately yes. because I, I I did the, the, the book is is really to, to try and take take the subject beyond or outside the strictly medical domain because that's the language we use in the street and that's in a way part of the problem. Because the, the large part of the book is really a a deep concern about the way we use the term madness, the way we think about madness, and the consequence of this in terms of, of exclusion and thickness. So, mm. so I wanted to deal with the issue head-on, I suppose, by using the term madness and trying to understand the different ways in which to see the different meanings that are attached to the word madness. And, and often, very often, the, the, the dismissive or derogatory mm. meaning. So, it, it really, I mean, it's rather possibly ambitiously trying to change the way we think about madness. I must say, I like that, because in a sense, we're tackling something head-on. We're touching on a sensitive word, which actually leads us into a very sensitive area and a very mm. sensitive topic. And I think that so much of today's conversation eventually leads to self-censorship, where we cannot yeah. use certain yeah. words, yeah. we cannot say certain things. Yeah. And if we don't call yeah. something by its name or use a word that could be used as a descriptor in a potentially derogatory way and start to open a conversation about the meaning of that word and how we might think about it differently, then I think we're non-starters. I don't know how you'd respond to yeah. that. I absolutely agree. And I do think we need to, to, to be completely open and, and, and frank about the, the term in order to diminish its adverse uses. And, and the damaging effect the effect this has, but you know, we 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 can't avoid because that's the language we use. And madness. Yes. We don't talk about schizophrenia spectrum disorders or even psychotic disorders or severe mental illness. That's not how people think about it, and yes. not the not the words that they use. So, I mean, I 
I don't think there's an easy answer to this because I, I'm really concerned about the hurt and mm. the, the use of this term might give. But I'm, I'm really, just as you've said, the, the idea in a sense is to really just start a conversation, to have an open, honest debate about it. And what because are it, it does affect us, as you said in your sorry, I'm interrupting, yeah. but as no. you said in your your introduction, this is something that affects it affects us all. Yes, yes. And what I wanted to say was, I think it's very brave, and I think it's very important because at the end of the day, one is maybe throwing down a marker and saying, you know what. It's time we started looking at things as they are. And I think what you're saying is so important. We're saying, but you know, this word is commonly used. This is in common parlance and it's got a certain meaning. And unless we as psychiatrists are prepared not to shy away from it because, you know, we, we don't want to go there. We actually do go there and we say, okay. What does this term actually mean? Yeah. And we kind of, I don't say appropriate it or take ownership of it, but we are not fearful of mm. actually engaging with mm. it because there's almost a sense that, wow, you're a psychiatrist, but you're using mm. the word madness, even for the mm. title of this podcast, mm. Beyond mm. Madness. And I'm saying, no, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we I commend you for that, Christopher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have to go beyond. We have to go beyond. I want to yeah. take you behind the yeah. scenes. I want people yeah. to understand yeah. That psychiatry yeah. is a thinking discipline with multiple mm. issues yeah. that affect not just psychiatry, but mm. society in general. So like I say, I think it's a great title. And I really, as I said, commend you for having the boldness to say, you know what? I'm stepping up. This has got to be dealt with. Yeah. And so yeah. it brings me to my next question. Why did you write the book? Well, it, it follows on very much from what we've been discussing, Christopher, is, is that my there's a very real concern that... Mm. For me, I believe that that our misunderstanding of madness, of it, and to use another more careful terminology, severe mental illness, our misunderstanding, the misapprehension of of these very often incredibly complex and, and sad conditions, leads to enormous suffering, both on the part of our, our patients and and their families. These misunderstandings, so. So really, the next, so in a way, in a, in a way, part of the book has been started in, in a sense with some anger about mm. our, our, our careless ways of, of conceptualizing madness, and and the next question, I suppose, was you know why is this so? What 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 maintains this these, these misapprehensions yes. or these almost willful misunderstandings of, of of these extraordinary conditions and and. So that's where it all began. And then I thought, well, if they could just sort of complaining you know, that people just don't understand, well, then surely, and certainly with my clinical experience in the public health sector, and particularly in the field of psychotic disorder, well, can't I at least try and, certainly from a sort of very personal viewpoint, try and articulate in a sort of authentic and hopefully respectful way my understanding about mental illness? And uh, Well, you know, it's... it's I was going to say it's quite interesting. I think you used the word magnificent. Did you use the word magnificent these disorders? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I think that, that in a sense you're showing a very deep respect for what a patient experiences when their world becomes somewhat different to yeah. how we might understand yeah. the world yeah. to be. And I often think to myself, if one has ever been psychotic, i.e. out of touch with reality – how do you ever know what reality is? Yeah. 
Yeah. Have you ever kind yeah. of thought about yeah. that? Because yeah. it kind of struck me. I thought, well, well, if that wasn't real, what is real? Step, I suppose, Christopher, was that I think if we if we do consider the phenomenon the phenomena of madness, then we, we we need to to consider some of the issues that this, this phenomena raises, and, and and I think that has to do with with yes with consciousness, with with notions of the self, with notions of free will, of notions of what constitutes an external reality. And I think I think that's why this and, and you and, and 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 I have been deeply fascinated by this field because I think it does raise a whole host of intriguing philosophical issues. And I think what is quite incredible is the power of medication on the one hand to actually not necessarily cure, but in most instances mm. provide some kind mm. of alleviation and some mm. kind of reversal. Mm of mm. this loss of sense of reality mm. where one is experiencing mm. the world in, in such a profoundly mm. disturbed mm. way. It's actually almost miraculous mm. in a way. It's one of the real powers mm. of psychiatry, which I don't know is fully appreciated mm. or understood. And I don't think so. And, and I, I, that's another, it's one thing talking about, about madness, but I, I think I also wanted to talk about what psychiatry does and what it can do. Mm. And, and, yes. the, and certainly with regard to schizophrenia and schizophrenia spectrum disorders, how, I think I do somewhere in the book say that I, I, I could the, the whole unit would have, the whole service would have shut down within three or four weeks if I, I, I didn't have access to these very effective medications. Yes, and I think that yeah. is very, yeah. very important, yeah. Sean. I mean, you know, I'm not even sure that we as psychiatrists necessarily always take that step yeah. back and yeah. say, wow, what yeah. are we doing here with a yeah. pill? Yes. You know, how is sure. this working? Sure. And look at the profound yeah. change that you see in patients who were floridly psychotic and completely out of touch and a risk to themselves, to others. They settle, they get perspective, and suddenly they're back in touch. I mean, isn't it amazing? It, it, it is, and I, uh, I, I think sometimes it, 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 it really is quite possibly one of the most exciting things I've encountered in in medicine, the, the, the yes. watching somebody emerge from a psychosis. But I, I think what I did want to emphasize mm. also is that that I think we need to be clear about what we, you know, the, the focus of attention. I, I think yes, you, you use the word reality in the argument about reality. I think quite understandably in the depth of a psychosis, somebody says, why, why are you taking this reality away from me? This is my mm. reality. Try and eliminate mm. my reality. And so the argument <laughs> then would be that this, what you're describing to me surely is something incredibly distressing and frightening. And can't we just shift the attention in a way to that, that I'm not here to alter your reality because it's personal to you and, and intense and meaningful, but I, I'm, I'm here to try and help you by diminishing the distress associated with what you're going through. You know, it's, it's quite interesting because as you're talking, I'm thinking, do you think patients ever miss that? I do think so, absolutely. I think so, but because I, I think that's what something we can neglect um, in our practice, Christopher, is that we. And I know this is a little bit controversial. I'm hesitant about this, but but, but these experiences are meaningful to our patients very often. And what are we doing when we're taking away that meaning? Yes, and I think I'd like you to, if you if you can, just kind of elaborate on that because you see, there's an assumption or a presumption: we must always do good, do no harm. Yeah. We step in, we assume we. 
we experience their behavior, their thought processes as clearly deleterious to themselves, having negative consequences, yeah. and so therefore yeah. we must do something. Yeah. And now we, yeah. we kind of say, well, can we look at it from the other perspective to say, to what extent is that reality comfortable? For them, and I mean, I know, I yeah. know it would not necessarily yeah. be a yeah. popular point of view, but I think it's worth mm. exploring. It's something we, have, but it's something we have to consider because, and so, and I mean, that, and that, you know, I'm hesitant. Yes. I don't want to sound no, 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 romantic, no. but but if this person is trying to make one metaphor is noise, and I think noise is intolerable, and I think I use this yes. metaphor on many occasions. Yes. So there's noise, which which we can imagine on a kind of neurobiological level. So, that, so the, a patient using cultural idioms, using personal narratives, whatever it might be, tries to make sense of this intolerable phenomenon of noise. And so they, mm-hmm. and, and idiosyncratic, it's weird, it's strange, but it's it, it's it's the first tentative steps to try and regain control. That's one way of conceptualizing. Yes, and, then, and I, if we can, in a sort of way, say, look, I. I see what you're trying to do. I'm here to help you. And in a way, hopefully in a collaborative way, trying to help them regain themselves to to recover. And I think that's so critical, this issue of collaboration, which is not just you're ill, here's your treatment, that's what you're going to do. Now you're normal, in inverted commas, you're okay. Cheers. Off you go and live your life as that new person or that restored person. Sure. And yeah, because, and that was an enormous expense, an intense expense. And how can we just dismiss it? How can we just, you know, to, as you say, neglect something that is intensely meaningful or, or, or profound to, to our patients? So it means putting it in the right place, I suppose. Yes. And I think that one of the issues that we often grapple with in psychiatry, specifically in the treatment of psychosis, is compliance. And I yeah. suppose a lot of what we're talking about now or have been talking Absolutely. for the last yeah. few minutes has mm. profound implications mm. for the inclination yeah. of the patient Absolutely. to continue this medication. Absolutely. 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 And, and, that's a, and, and, and that's why it's so important, I think, in this collaborative sense to, to contextualize what we're doing because otherwise they're saying, what, all you're doing is suppressing symptoms, doctor. Well, that's all you're doing. And it's banal. Do you think... And of course, I can't expect you to know, and I'm, I'm not sure if I know myself. Do you yeah. think that psychiatrists spend enough time engaging with patients who are recovered, and I'm putting that in inverted commas, who have recovered a, a, a semblance of normality to really explore the comparison between what they were experiencing and what they are now experiencing as a consequence of an intervention? I think that's absolutely right, Christopher. I think it's... It, it's it's enormously important that I, I think I used a word just a little while ago about contextualizing it. I think that's mm. critically important to to enable somebody to to sustain their recovery. You know, what does that all mean? And then and why am I taking this medication? And it's just so surely easy and understandable that someone's going to that there's their treatment because it's it. it it doesn't mean that it's not been given any meaning. It's not been contextualized in what the actual yes. the function of what we're trying to do is. And I think we've got to be yes. clear in our own minds about it. And I think we need to explain that very carefully to our patients. And I, that's why I think forming relationships and trusting relationships and continuity of care are so important and how difficult that is, of course, in the public sector. Do you think that what we're speaking about now is necessarily adequately taught to our specialists in training 
and is something which is commonly understood as an important component of delivering care? <laughs> There's a straightforward answer. <laughs> I think the answer is no. <laughs> it's not. And, but you know, at the same time, I, I, I must. I mean, I recognise this as a fairly personal sort of um, yeah. way of making sense of it. So I, I accept that. But I, I do think. But I also think. I mean, we're all familiar with the phenomenon. People getting disenchanted yes. and cynical. We're surrounded by our colleagues who think, "What the hell are we doing?" And yeah. I think if we if we reimagine what we're doing as something really quite profound and meaningful to ourselves, also in trying to understand what people are going through, the extraordinary experiences. And, and I mean, again, I use this word with great hesitation, but we retrieve we, we a sense of wonder in these different worlds and finding mm. ways of making sense of these experiences, I think we can, we can make our work so much more richer and hopefully gratifying and yes. I think more effective. I think you are right, but this requires almost like an immersive experience mm. where you kind of immerse mm. yourself mm. in this strange world that you can't necessarily relate to as yeah. the treating yeah. psychiatrist in order to get an understanding of, okay, what is it that yeah. my patient yeah. has been through? Yeah. Where am yeah. I taking them to? Yeah. And how do you, yeah. how do you yeah. build a bridge yeah. to make that transition from psychosis to no psychosis? And so, and so for me, it's about time. And I think that coming from a public sector, even a private sector setting, do we spend the time? Do we have the time? And might we get better results with a greater understanding of the need for this kind of yeah. experience? I don't know how you. Absolutely. No, I, 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 I entirely agree. And, and I, it's, 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 it's not do we have the luxury of the time. It's intrinsic to the work that we do is that we spend time. So we're respecting our patients to, to grant them the, 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 the space in which they can articulate what they're going through. Necessary. It's not. It's not a luxury. It's it's, it's intrinsic to the work we do. And so I think that is very important, Sean. It's, it's actually not a luxury. But yeah. unfortunately, time has become a luxury based on yeah. pressures in the service yeah. and the yeah. need to process patients. And in a way, it concerns me that we are missing, and you, and you use the words richness. And I'm, I'm not just thinking about the richness of our experience as clinicians, but the richness of pathology that our patients have that we need to engage with. Yeah, and I mean, Paying attention to that, and there's, there's in a way the shared drama of it, and the, the extraordinary mm. aspects of it that 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 sustained me for what thirty years in an acute service at Falkenberg Hospital, because I, I I just was found myself deeply, deeply moved and fascinated by these, yes. these stories. Well, I think the stories are fascinating. And one has to be careful that one is not some kind of voyeur sure, looking yeah, at a fascinating yeah. story because what you're dealing with is yeah, not a movie. Yeah, it's yeah. a real life. Yeah. And this person yeah. is now experiencing yeah. the world in a way which is completely yeah. outside of your experience yeah. as a clinician, yeah. hopefully. And, you know, so this is not just, wow, this is an interesting mm. patient. I think, mm. I mean, my initial journey into psychiatry was more along those lines. Like, wow, this is really interesting. This mm. is fascinating. And it took mm. me... A long time, and I don't know that anybody ever really taught me what we're speaking about, except my initial, I must say, one of my early experiences dealt with sitting behind a psychiatrist who was interviewing a patient. And the patient was talking about auditory hallucinations, so hearing voices of people that don't exist, and what they were saying to her and how they distressed her, and I burst out laughing. 
I burst out laughing. Yeah. And the patient pointed yeah. a finger at me and said in Afrikaans, Ye kan lach. You can laugh. Mm. Mm. I felt kind of, <laughs> sort of, I was like, okay, yeah. but isn't right. this amusing? Right. I yeah. hadn't understood yeah. the distress. And the psychiatrist, I'll never forget, turned around to me and he said, you've learned a first lesson. He said, you can always laugh with a patient, never at a patient. Great. And, Fantastic. you know, yes. you know <laughs> yeah. and I was a fourth year yeah. medical student yeah. and I kind of walked out of there and it's never left me. And I yeah. think so, it, it, it was a very good schooling of trying to get into the experience of the patient in terms of what they describe. Christopher, I think that's critically important in terms of our forming a trusting relationship. And I, I yes. think, I think that, that we cannot intervene helpfully and if we do not acknowledge what our patients are going through. I think if I think of some of the difficulties that I've yes. had and the anger of the patients and the anger of the patients with with their own families and with the community is because it's real for them and we have to understand that it's yes. real for them and acknowledge that reality. If we didn't, if, if we didn't have that sort of foundation, I think what the next steps are, are doomed to fail. Well, you see, what concerns me, I think, is that because for us, as those who are not part of that psychotic process or that psychotic world, you're almost looking at it and saying, oh, come on. You know, mm. really? Yeah. And, and, and I think one has to be careful that one doesn't come across as dismissive mm. because I think in a sense that's what you're speaking mm. about. It's like, mm. no, you're not, you're not respecting that mm. I actually experienced mm. this as yeah. very real. And I think that's because Even important. though, yeah. yeah. I think it's very important. So I wanted to just touch on the, the subtitle of your book, Stories of Uncertainty and Hope. And so I, I was kind of looking at that and saying, okay, before I attribute any meaning to it, I wanted to understand what your intention and what your meaning was of, of, of the subtitle. So it's madness, stories of uncertainty and hope, and I want to focus on stories okay. of uncertainty and hope. What right. do you mean okay. by that? I think both, both terms, both concepts to me are, are, are absolutely critically important. I think, I, think, I think one of the difficulties of psychiatry, both for psychiatrists and the public perception of psychiatry, is that such an uncertain Discipline that we did, and, and, and I suppose falling from that, we don't know what yes. to do. And I think it's, I think <laughs> it's, again, this I suppose is, is provocative, but it's important in a way to embrace uncertainty that, that the, the, the false certainties yep. are not helpful at all. Um, and it, it links back a little bit to what we were saying earlier yeah. that it's sort of inappropriate foreclosure to say, oh, I know what's going on. You've just got a sort of excessive dopamine transmission, and I'm going to give mm. you this pill, it's all going to go away. And that just doesn't make sense to me at all. So, so exactly. uncertainty, and uncertainty is, yeah. is intrinsic, I think, to science. That, that, that it, it, what propels us to try and understand is mm. acknowledging that uncertainty. And so these are not mutually exclusive words or concepts. One can have hope in spite of uncertainty. That's what I'm, what I'm sensing. So I'll let you take it. With the uncertainty, I, I mean, following on from what you've just said, really, it, it, it creates, it creates spaces. And, and, and we, we, and again, this really arises so much out of my clinical experience and my encounters with patients and, and importantly, the families. That um, it's not just encouragement; it's, brought, it, it's instilling hope. And I, I think it's a, again, it's something we neglect. And I think because it's not, it's, it, 
it's not scientific or it doesn't have a the, 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 the status of a scientific concept or something that we can measure. But I, I think it's intrinsic to to the work that we do and and to the recovery of our patients. And it's being realistically, but but and 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 again, working with uncertainty, meaning that we 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 don't know what the future holds. I don't know how, to what extent I'm going to be able to help you, but I hope that I will. Um, especially, especially I'm saying, so for the families to say this is again, it's one of the perceptions of I think say, their mental illness. You, you've been schizophrenia, uh, 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 particularly that this is the situation's hopeless. It's a dreadful, tragic condition, and there's no hope. And it's not true. And I, I, I think uh, um, it's important that we acknowledge that. I would endorse that, and I would say to you that we need to not fear. Mm. Uncertainty. We mm. need to embrace it, mm. accept that we don't always have all the answers. In fact, mm. probably yeah. mostly sure. we don't have all the answers. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing because it doesn't mean we can't help you and that there isn't room yeah, for yeah. improvement. Yeah. And therefore, yeah. you know, I, I mean, when I yeah. work with patients, I say, look, let's just move from where we are to the next level. We will create a new foundation yeah. of health. And based yeah. on that new foundation, yeah. let's see if we can move to the yeah. next level. Yeah. And so in, in yeah. that, One tip at yeah, time. exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, I know it sounds fairly yeah. trite and fairly kind of like self-help psychology kind of approach, but the truth is we have to be pragmatic and we have to be realistic. Yeah. And I yeah. think if we have realistic yeah. expectations, then we don't become pessimistic when things don't work yeah. out exactly yeah. as we want. That's, that's right. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and become disheartened and cynical. It, Precisely, and 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 one can easily become disillusioned and then hopeless. In Mm. which case, yes, Mm. it is hopeless. Mm. Yeah, and and we're not helping. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) exactly. So I wanted to ask you. Mm. I mean, there are approximately forty chapters in your book, and so there are many issues that you raise, and you use vignettes, so you use patient histories, and Mm. so my question was. Did the patients lead you to the issues, or did the issues lead you to the patients? Patients led me to the issues. Okay, so I think that that's quite straightforward to me. And really, the the book arose out of all the issues and the stories that patients were telling me and me. Yes, and you know, I think one of the earlier questions you said, "Well, why did yes, you write right. this book?" One aspect, another aspect of why I wrote the book is, you know, after all, I. You, you, and you used to use the, the, the word immersion. That I, I was so immersed yes. in it that I, it was, I needed to step back and think, what, what was that about? What was going mm. on? But, and, 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 and in order to try and make sense of what was going on, to pay careful attention to what my patients had been telling me. Yes. So I can say to you that as a psychiatrist reading the book, I, I, I was – able to connect very easily with the issues because I think you captured so many of the realities of of psychiatry. But what I think is very interesting about the book is that you do it in a way which, and I said it right up front, it's very accessible. I like the way in which you've kind of written and in, in, in a very straightforward language where you, where you take complex issues actually. And I think, you know, if one has listened to this conversation so far, there is a lot of complexity. I want to ask you a, a kind of closing question. Are you optimistic or pessimistic about the discipline of psychiatry in terms of how you see it evolving? It's just, I suppose, I'm cautiously optimistic. I hope that's not a cop-out. Um, no, I, no, no, I, no. I think, no. I think, I think psychiatry is an enormously 
complicated and fascinating and, and profound branch of medicine. And, and I think we need to not dismiss either a biomedical model, a reductive biomedical model, or a kind of overexpensive biopsychosocial model, to be, we talked about uncertainty, to be creative in our ways of thinking about how we can help patients. And I, I, the very uncertainties are a foundation for being hopeful about the future of psychiatry because I think it's a it's a fascinating field. But we need to, we need to think about it broadly and mm. imaginatively rather than collapse into familiar, conventional, yes. perhaps rather restrictive models of thinking. Well, I like that. I think that's a very clear message, Sean. I want to thank you for joining us. Congratulations and wishing you all the best with your book, Madness, Stories of Uncertainty and Hope, published by Jonathan Ball Publishers and available, I assume, where good books are sold, and I hope it finds a wide audience. So, Sean, thank you for joining us once again. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you. Remember, there is no health without mental health. I hope today's podcast has been enlightening. I am Professor Christopher Paul Sabo, and this is Beyond Madness in proud association with Adcock Ingram OTC, sponsors of Brave.